Welcome back to Apocalypse, The Coming Judgment, Episode 12. Well, we'll be looking uh, at uh, Chapter 16 in Revelation, which is Apocalypse, The Coming Judgment. This is Dennis Laravia back with you again as we go through this marvelous book, Revelation, to tell us what we can expect in the future and the fact that God is closing everything down at his timing to bring absolute decision-making between Christ and rejection of Christ. So let's look at chapter 16 of Revelation. I'll read that first, and then we will discuss uh, the many things that are mentioned in here. Chapter 16, verse 1 in Revelation, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was. For you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his blood on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the war excuse me, the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits, performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole earth to assemble them for battle on the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief, Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assemble them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. So reiterating this last verse in chapter 16, 
and great hail, hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. So let's uh, review the actual judgment and what it means in chapter 16. There's so much going on here. Uh, hopefully this will come across clearly. Uh, Revelation 16 Six, uh, verses 1 through 21, it says, Go out and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Well, the first bowl is loathsome sores in 16 verse 2. Foul and loathsome sores are those with the mark of the beast. Uh, references to the balls is noted in Exodus 9 verses 9 through 11 as found on the Egyptians. Also noted in Job 2 7 is found on Job and is found in Luke 6 21 on Lazarus. These sores are incurable. These sores were poured out on those on the earth who had the mark of the beast, not on anybody who was a believer. So a specific sign of judgment, horrible, incurable sores, and it gets worse as we see the other bowls are poured out rapidly. Uh, in the second bowl, the sea turns to blood. That's chapter 16, verse 3. All of the creatures in the oceans were killed by the next judgment with the resultant condition of the seawater becoming congealed as the blood of a dead person. So this, this is so thick that sailing and boats on the ocean will really not be tolerable. Uh, it'll be like almost, I hate to say, but like jello. So this is a terrible situation of the oceans. And it's reminiscent of the second trumpet in Revelation and the first plague against Egypt in Exodus 7, verses 20 through 25. This plague is worldwide, which greatly increases the impact upon travel, shipping, and of course fishing is done, and just sheer survival. Can you imagine how difficult things will be for the people with the mark of the beast? The third bowl, and waters are turned to blood in chapter 16, verse 4 through 7. All fresh water will be turned to blood. God's judgment is validated by the angel as being right and just. Why? Because the great amount of innocent blood has been spilled by the Antichrist and the people who work with him. Well, what will evil men and women have to drink? The only thing they'll have to drink is bloody water, congealed bloody water. I can't imagine how bad that will be. What will evil men and women have to wash their sores with? Congealed, bloody water. There is no clean water anywhere now. What is the ramification of there being no fresh water left? Well, all people who have the mark on the beast of the beast will quickly dehydrate because how are you going to maintain hydration with congealed, bloody water? Uh, so these are terrible, horrific times. Why is God exonerated again as being true and righteous in his judgments? Because people have had a chance to make their choice. They made a choice to reject Christ and to torture and kill the people of God. And now they must pay the, the penalty. Uh, some other scriptural references, including uh, in Matthew 24, verse 21, it talks about the slaughter. Romans 12, 19 through 21, talks about God's vengeance with no prior parallel. 
Leviticus 24, verses 19 and 20, talks about God's judgment is fair and proper. Hebrews 10, verse 26 through 31, God's judgment is a fearsome thing. Then we get into the fourth bowl. If things weren't bad enough with the sores and the pain and the water, now men are scorched in Revelation 16, verses 8 through 9. Great heat is the sun is endowed with even more heat. Is the sun closer or brighter? Uh, it's not clear on that, except it's much, much hotter. And remember, we have no source of fresh water. Everything stinks from the sores. The water stinks. The fresh water stinks. The salt water stinks. Everything's dead in the water. There's no fish or anything else that will come alive to eat out of the water. Real global warming will occur with the melting of the polar ice caps because of the heat of the sun, which will produce an estimated 200-foot rise in the ocean level, which will take out all the port cities and many inland cities with the mass flooding with bloody, congealed seawater. I can't think of much more horrible than that. Man's response, and that's those are the mark of the beast, is blasphemy towards God, rejection of Christ, no repentance, no glory to God for his mighty works. So nothing's really changing. <coughs> Excuse me. The fifth bowl, darkness and pain in Revelation 16, verses 10 and 11. Darkness rolled uphill to the seat of power of the Antichrist. Now all of the earth inhabited by those with the mark of the beast, including the Antichrist, were no light, no water, and continued pain from the sores. And of course we know that darkness signifies the judgment of God. In Isaiah 60 verse 2, it talks about deep darkness. Joel 2 verse 2 talks about unique darkness. Mark 13 verses 24 and 25 talks about final darkness. The darkness also represents the fact that there is nothing godly going on among these people. It's all evil. The sixth bowl, the Euphrates dried it up in Revelation 16, verses 12 through 16. When the Revel Euphrates dries up, it allows the approach of the kings from the east to Jerusalem. Euphrates flows about 1,800 miles from its origin at Mount Ararat to the Persian Gulf, and it forms the eastern boundary of all the land promised to Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob many, many years ago. Now, whether the kings are coming in anger to the Antichrist throne or coming to kill all remaining Jews in Israel is unclear. But the plan is clear. God is bringing all of Antichrist's allies together for the final battle of Armageddon on that huge plane. And that's not a P-L-A-N-E in the sense of an airplane. It's talking about the level ground that's in that area of the Armageddon. The accumulation of the evil confederacy. The unholy trinity, which is Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Referred to here as frogs are especially vile, unclean, powerful, and deceitful demons. Described here as cold-blooded, loathsome beings. These members of the unholy trinity will consolidate all of the world leaders for the final battle with Christ, 
who return in Revelation 19, verses 17 through 20. Clearly not just the kings from the east, but all the world leaders will be there for this great battle. Uh, Psalm 2, verses 2, verses 2 and 3 says, All kings of the earth, apparently even including America, what's left of it at that point in time. Joel chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. All nations will be gathered for judgment. Zechariah 14, verses 1 through 3. All nations will gather to ravage and destroy, but God will allow the elect to prevail. So when you get to the actual um, other scriptures that you know discuss this, it includes also Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 5 through 7. And saying this is the climax of Jacob's trouble. Remember, we've talked about Jacob's trouble is the tribulation period. It's the worst difficulty Israel has ever or will ever have. In Isaiah 13, verses 1 through 19, discusses the horror of the final days. Only a few will survive through this tribulation period. In Joel chapter 2, verse 3, says the people there should rend their heart, not their garments. So we get into the great battle, which is mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10, and it's victory over all who reject Christ and the gospel by Christ and his holy angels. Joel 2, 11 talks about the great battle day. God is victorious. Joel 3, verses 2 and 4, talks about God's victory over the enemies of God and Israel. Armageddon, of course, is the Hebrew name for the area around Mount Megiddo, Megiddo, which is 60 miles north of Israel, I mean of uh, Jerusalem. The battle will occur in the same place as Barak's victory over the Canaanites in Judges 4 and Gideon's victory over the Midianites in Judges 7. Uh, Napoleon called this area the greatest battlefield site he had ever seen. And I have seen it, and other than the mount in the middle of it, Everything is level. It's, if you will say, a perfect battlefield site. Uh, as far as Christians are concerned, Jesus Christ says, I am coming as a thief. Be alert and vigilant. Other scriptural references that talk about this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, says we should abide in Christ, permanently seeking Christ, his will, every day in the active pursuit of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 4, says the day of the Lord will occur quickly. No further warning. All of the earth and the universe will disintegrate. 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 13, all of the earth and the universe will disintegrate a collective fission of all atoms. And then the other admonitions avoid nakedness and shame, meaning we should walk in purity and focus on Christ and not be caught unaware in sinful living when Christ returns. The seventh bowl, the earth is utterly shaken in Revelation 16, verses 17 through 21. It's interesting that the seventh bowl is poured out in the air. Then remark from the throne, it is done. It's reminiscent of Christ on the cross when he said, it is finished. Uh, resultant calamities, and there's many. 
uh, noises and thunderings and lightnings, a great earthquake such a great earthquake that has never occurred, even though we've had powerful earthquakes in the past and in our time, but no, nothing will ever be seen like this before or again. The great city, that's Jerusalem, is divided into three parts to prepare it for its improvement, beauty, and preparation for the millennial reign, which again, in the millennial reign, which we'll talk about later, is the perfect scene where Christ will be on earth as earthly judge and king for a thousand years and be celebrating with Christians in that thousand-year feast. The cities of the nations fail. All nations fall except Israel and all cities destroyed except Jerusalem. God remembered the evil of Babylon to make sure that it received the full measure of wrath and judgment. And during this period of time, all islands disappeared below the oceans, all mountains were leveled, and of course we see a hundred pound hailstones fell on the nations. And I was trying to figure out what wouldn't a hundred pound hailstone do? I'm not sure that there's much of anything left after a hundred pound hailstones fall. And of course, the effect on men who have the mark of the beast Continued blasphemy, rejection of God, blaming God. Amos 2, verses 12 through 16 said that none of God's enemies will have any power during this period of time. And some other scriptural resources in Romans 8, 19 through 22, it talks about the groaning of the past creation, of the present creation because of sin. In Isaiah chapter 24, verses 19 through 20, and chapter 34 of Isaiah and verse 4, the planned replacement of the heavens and earth is discussed. Isaiah 2, verses 10 through 21, talks about the upheaval of earth and heavens in the tribulation. Isaiah 13, verses 6 through 22, also discusses this a total unraveling of the earth as we understand it. Ezekiel 13, verse 23, there's no more sorcery in the future, the future millennial kingdom. Joel chapters 1 and 2 talks about judgment and God seeking people with a repentant heart. Zechariah 14 discusses Armageddon and God's victory over evil. Amos chapter 5 talks about the day of the Lord and destruction and judgment. Obadiah 15 talks about judgment on evil. Malachi 4 mentions Elijah again as coming before the great victory over Egypt, over evil. Now, whether that's actually Elijah or an Elijah-type person like John the Baptist before the first coming of Christ, we don't know, except there will be an Elijah-like person and a Moses-like person coming as we discussed those two prophets earlier in Revelation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and Chapter 2, verse 2, our hope is in Christ's victorious return. What else could Christians have to look forward to except being with Christ forever and hopefully avoiding being a part of this tribulation? Psalm 102, verse 25, earth and heavens will be destroyed. Isaiah 65, verse 17, there will be a new heaven and a new earth that will be perfect. There will also be a new Jerusalem which will be 1,500 miles cubed. 
Isaiah 66, verse 22. Everyone, all shall worship Christ in the millennial kingdom. There will not be anyone who will not worship Christ. So as you see, as we get through the end of chapter 16, we realize those seven bold judgments, how horrible and successive they are quickly to bring judgment. And yet most people, the people who have the mark of the beast, will continue to reject God and curse God. And God will provide for his own during this time. 100-pound hailstones is kind of the crowning glory on uh, finishing up everything built by men because it's important that we understand that everything exists for the glory of God and that we might look to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and King. Prayerfully go through these scriptures. Share this information with your family and friends and those who don't know Christ. This is the opportunity that they have to avoid enduring this terrible, horrific tribulation. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have any questions or comments, please email to D-A-L-A-R-A-V-I-A at gmail.com. D-A-L-A-R-A-V-I-A at gmail.com. And we would appreciate any comments or suggestions. 